him earlier that, you know, that obviously this is something that's very close to his heart because he's an Everton supporter. And for years he's had to deal with disappointment. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I'm really looking forward to this morning's talk because I know that John will be sharing about how the rubber hits the road in terms of our daily Christian lives. And uh, we need to get to grips with that. So I'm just going to pray before John comes to speak. Those who have ears to listen, let them hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. And Lord, we want your Holy Spirit now to speak through John. And we want to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say about how we can grow as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So come, Holy Spirit, now. Toad asker glan. Delch a chenri John Ran, a gadochini glowed, bis a geneti ibwedini a agloid, emoin clawed it the emu. To the glory of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks, Dolan. <coughs> now, I know there's some, uh, some Liverpool fans here this morning. Uh, I can tell with the manic grins on their face. So, uh, as an Evertonian, I just want to say. <coughs> Really well done. Fantastic victory by Andy Frias Jr. over uh, Anthony Joshua last night. Um, this morning, some of you got it. <laughs> this morning, um, I'm carrying on with the theme we've been looking at, which is Nehemiah. And it's been a great, it's a great book. If you've not read through it all in one go, please do. It's a great, uh, great book to read through. Hi, Caleb. Um, but I'm talking this morning about something that I feel is really important. No, I don't feel it. I know it is really important. It's a massive, massive thing. We all know there's many diseases around in the world, but I'm going to tell you about the biggest preventable disease in the world today. Now, it's probably not what you're thinking. It's not polio. It's not AIDS. It's not some of the cancers. It's something that has an impact that goes beyond that. And I'm not belittling those illnesses, by the way. They are terrible, terrible illnesses for those individuals that are involved. But the illness I'm talking about this morning, the thing that affects every single one of us here, is this whole issue of discouragement. Discouragement is a massive thing in everyone's lives, sometimes. Maybe you're sat here and thinking, I'm not discouraged at the moment, so this isn't going to affect me. Well, it will. You will have times in your life when you will be discouraged. It might be later on today. It might be later on in the week. But you will have that time of discouragement. So I've got the task this morning of this vital topic, how can I handle discouragement? And I'm speaking on this not because I don't get discouraged, but because God has something to say about it. So I hope that I can hear what I've got to say, and I hope the rest of us can as well. Um, I was looking this up. What does discouragement actually mean? I don't know if you've, you're probably way ahead of me on this. Most people are. But uh, when I was looking up, what, what does discouragement mean? We always start with a definition. And uh, suddenly it made sense because discouragement, discourage means the removal of courage. And uh, I think it was, John was talking before about one of the, the 
words that uh, Jesus, that God as well in the Old Testament talks about so often is fear not, fear not, fear not, have courage. If we don't have courage, we're not going to be able to be the people we're meant to be. And discouragement is all about the removal of that vital commodity in each one of our lives, a vital commodity that if we don't have, we will not be the people we're meant to be, and that is courage. So what is it that, uh, that makes discouragement such a deadly disease? Well, I narrowed it down to three things. You maybe disagree with these, I don't know. But I put it down to three things. First thing, as I've already said, everybody here sometime will be discouraged. And it won't just happen once. It'll happen on a number of occasions. It's a deadly disease because it's universal. One in four of us this year, according to the statistics, will suffer from depression. And everybody here sometime this year will suffer from discouragement sooner or later. I know I do. And I know you do as well, if you're honest with yourself. I know there's others. It's universal. The other sad thing about this thing, horrible thing called discouragement is it's reoccurring. You get multiple opportunities to become discouraged every day. It's reoccurring all the time. And lastly, and this is worth bearing in mind, it is contagious. It's very contagious. My discouragement, if I allow it to, affects other people. And if I'm hanging around people who are discouraging all the time, I'm going to catch some of that discouragement if I'm not careful. So you've got to be really care careful with this thing. It rubs off on others. But there is good news. It's all been very bleak so far. So there is, it is good news. It's curable. It's curable. We have to keep going back to that cure, but it's curable. And I want to read uh, the passage in Nehemiah that really deals with this whole issue of discouragement, about how it happens and how it can be addressed, how we can go about dealing with this whole issue of, uh, of discouragement. And I'm, I'm going to be reading from uh, the NIV. If you've got the church Bibles in front of you, it's on page four, uh, 290, or if you're reading in Welsh, it's, it's 490 there. And it's Nehemiah 4. <coughs> and it says this. When Sabalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burnt as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. 
So we rebuild the wall. So all of it reached half its height, but the people worked with all their heart. But when Sabalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, uh, the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet his threats. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some people, some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting, uh, posted them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked over things, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and what God had frustrated, we all returned to the wall, each to our work. From that day on, half of the men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. But then I said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear, when, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued with the work with half of the people holding spears. From the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, let every man and his helper stay inside. Jerusalem at night, so they can serve us as guards by night and workers by day. Neither I, neither I nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when we went for water. Long passage, but there's a lot in there, whole thing about discouragement, and also how Nehemiah reacted to it to try and quell that discouragement. So what were the causes of the discouragement we read there in Nehemiah? Well, there's four, four that I pinpointed out. First one is this, fatigue. Tire yourself out. First step to discouragement is to work every hour there is without any break in at all and get yourself totally exhausted. The people of Judah said this in the passage. The strength of the laborers is given out. They'd worked a long time. They were physically exhausted. They were emotionally drained. They didn't even change their clothes. 
when does fatigue often come? Well, if you actually look at it, it wasn't at the start. It was halfway through. It says this, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. When are you apt to get discouraged? It's halfway through, isn't it, normally? You've been working really hard at a project, and you're going through, and you're halfway, let's say you're painting a room or whatever it is, and you're halfway through, and you're still thinking, oh, no, I've still got all the rest to do. The excitement of getting the paint cans out and all the new stuff and everything, it's all worn off. And you look at it and think, oh, I've not only just got to paint the rest of it, but I've also got to clear up all the mess afterwards. I can't be bothered. And you get yourself down and discouraged about it. So what do you need to do? Well, how about giving yourself a break? How about building in some time for you to just say, okay, I need to go to bed now. I need to just chill with a coffee maybe. I need to just do something that recharges me up again with this. And sometimes as uh, followers of Jesus, sometimes we can, we can think to ourselves, no, it's just about, no, all I need to do is, is get closer uh, to God in these different things. And uh, by all means, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. That is a great thing to do. And God at times can give us supernatural strength to be able to get through this, these things. But we also need rest. Jesus went up onto the mountain when the crowds were below waiting to be healed and everyone was saying, where are you going? Where are you going? Because he needed to be with his father and he needed at times just to have a rest. And sometimes it's the obvious thing that we miss out. There's another reason, though, I feel for cause of discouragement. And that's frustration because of all the rubbish that we managed to accumulate. If you notice in verse 10, it says, there's so much rubble that we can't build the wall. They were not only fatigued, they weren't only just tired, they were now frustrated. They were trying to build a new wall, but all around them, there were old broken rods and debris and mortar, and the rubble caused discouragement. They lost sight of their gold. All they could see was the things in the way, the rubbish that was in the way. And they got distracted by that. What's the rubbish in your life that's getting in the way? I've got a shed. And uh, I've got a project at the moment. We're building a, a shepherd's hut and there's bits of paint. And I'm rubbish at clearing up. I've got to be honest with this. Rubbish at clearing up. And so the debris builds up. And I had a little tiny walkway as I came through to me chop saw and just about getting through. And it got to the stage where I was just not even able to get to the chop saw. And I was thinking, what is going on here? And I had to spend a full day uh, just mucking myself out, getting all the bits of rubbish that had accumulated all in the way. And it was a total revelation. I could suddenly, wow, this is a shed. I can walk around. And suddenly everything became a lot easier, a lot easier to get a hold of. Now, that's actually a physical thing. Sometimes it's a spiritual, emotional thing that we have to clear out, clear out the rubble in our lives to sort out in order to be able to get through with that self-discouragement. The other one, though, this is obviously a biggie, is uh, listening to demotivators. There's very few people in your life that are going to tell you you're great. Most people in your life 
will actually make themselves feel better by bringing you down or make them feel better by thinking, they'll either do it accidentally or on purpose. And I'm guilty of it as well. And I want to apologize to all those people here who I might have discouraged (laughs) during the past 12 months. I hope that's not the case. But all of us here need to be encouragers, not discouragers. Because the world out there every day is going to discourage you. You turn the telly on and what's going to come on? You're not pretty enough. You're not clever enough. You're not fast enough. You're not talented enough. I'm a teacher and I spend my life telling young people that they haven't got 100%. I all the time say, oh, yeah, you've got this, but this is your target. You've got to get higher than that. So actually, what indirectly I'm saying is, you failed, you failed, you failed. Now, I try to switch it around. Oh, you're doing really well. Now let's try and push on. But the reality is that so many things in our society are all about what you failed. Those of us who are, are, are married or have got children here, how many positive things have you said to your partner or your children this week or today? I'm not doing this as a guilt trip, by the way. Uh, and my wife's not here, so I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a challenge out there, isn't it? It's so easy to listen to the demotivists. In verse 10, it says the people said, we cannot rebuild the wall. Who said they couldn't build the wall? Someone had to set it off first. Someone with the gift of demotivation. Have you got the gift of demotivation? Stop it. It's no good for anybody. It's unlikely to spontaneously, they cried out in harmony, We cannot rebuild the wall. Somebody must have started that off. Somebody must have poked and prodded and got something going for them. And others started to accept that prognosis. They felt they'd failed and pretty soon it became true because that's what they heard and started to believe. They couldn't finish their task as quickly as they had originally planned. They lost heart and their confidence drained away. They started off with great gusto, but soon they were thinking, we can't do it. We can't do it. It only takes one gifted demotivator to ruin a project, a life project. Don't be that demotivator. It wasn't true. They said all this, and it wasn't true. They could rebuild the wall. It wasn't a question of ability. It was about motivation. How do you handle failure in your life? Do you say, woe is me. I can't get this job done. Do you start complaining? It's impossible. I was a fool to even try it. It's stupid. Or do you start blaming others? I sometimes do this. I often lose my glasses. I'm hopeless with these things. And uh, constantly putting around, Karen, where have you moved my glasses? What have you done with it? My glasses have gone. What have you done with it? It's always me who's put them somewhere. And Karen, bless her, very patiently comes up with over there. How she remembers these things, I have no idea. But I haven't got a clue with it all. In fact, I was reversing, I was at Barry the other day, and I was reversing out his, his, uh, 
drive, much to his horror, I could see Barry's face going, what is he doing? I managed to reverse all over his lawn. It's confession time now. I reversed all over his lawn. So immediately, instead of saying, yeah, fessed up, that was really bad, John. Karen, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> no? And then I had to say, I'm sorry, dear. It was my fault, wasn't it? Am I bad? <laughs> anyway, <coughs> so far, uh, we've got, you've got fatigued. Some adding frustration because you accumulate rubbish. Or you listen to the demotivators. You see yourself as a failure. There's another one as well, and it goes to the root of this word about discouragement. And that is fear, becoming paralyzed by your critics. I was asking uh, some of the ladies beforehand what it is that causes them to get demotivated. And I'm very interested in hearing about their demotivation. For even though they were saying, some of them said, yeah, it's the little word in my ear that I say. Others said, well, it's, it's other people. But then when you delve into it, it was actually something that somebody had said years ago. And they were holding on to it. They hadn't let it go. You're no good. Some of you here are my age, 28, and are still holding on to words that were said over, to you, over you when you were at school. Some of you are still holding on to words that were said over, to you, over you when you were a child. Let them go. That's not the truth. Our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their works. That's what it said in Nehemiah. Notice who said this. Was it their enemies? No. It was actually they. They said it. Nehemiah's people said, our enemies said. But it was they were repeating it over and over about what it was all about, about being discouraged. Then they discouraged others by saying, wherever you turn, they will attack us. The chicken little syndrome. When you hang around a negative person long enough, you know what happens? You get infected. So draw boundaries with people who are like that. I'm not saying avoid people who are negative, but draw your boundaries. And after you've been with people who are negative, detox. Remind yourself of the promises that God says over you, that who you really are once they've put you down. There was uh, an experiment years ago. There's a film made of it as well. If you've not seen it, it's scary. Very good, but it's uh, scary. I don't know if you've heard of the Stanford Prison Experiment. Uh, for those of you who haven't, basically they had some students and they paid them and they said they randomly picked out their names and half of them became uh, prison guards and half of them became prisoners. And in the university, they set up a prison and set it out. It's a great film if you want to see it. It was scary how quickly things deteriorated because they told the prisoners what they were and they told us that they were rubbish and they told the guards that they had total power and that they were good and they'd been chosen because they were great at this. And they had to stop the experiment. It was only supposed to be a two-week experiment. They had to stop it after six days because the two groups had become, well, the one was brutalizing the other. It was scary what was happening. But they believed what was said. 
the prisoners and the guards. And it was totally changing their lives and, and what they were doing. Fatigue, you tire yourself out. Is that your issue with discouragement? Is it frustration because you've accumulated rubbish in your life? Is it failure if you listen to demotivators? Is it fear if you become paralyzed with your, by your critics? Well, I want to give you the antidote. So here it is. Here's the good news, folks. I'm going to give you three antidotes to discouragement. The first one is this, and I've got to be, go through these quickly, but speak to me afterwards if you want more flesh on them. The first is, Nehemiah said, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember to turn to God daily. Remember to turn to the truths that God says over you. Remember how much God loves you. Remember the fact that Jesus died for you, that he loved you so much that he was willing to come and suffer for you. That's how valuable you are. That's how much God believes in you. So turn to him, remind yourself of that over and over again. Recommit yourself to him and his family. What is God doing in your life right now? Whether you feel him or not, he is with you. He promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He will give you strength for your needs. He said, I can do anything through, you can do anything through Christ because he strengthens me. That's you. Not somebody 2,000 years ago, that's you. When you get discouraged, get your mind off your circumstances and on to the Lord. Remember, your thoughts determine your feelings. If you feel discouraged, it may be because you're thinking discouraging thoughts. If you want to feel encouraged instead, focus on the encouragement God provides in Scripture. Choose some uplifting verses to memorize. Like nothing can separate me from the love of God. If God is for us, who can be against us? Everything is possible for him who believes. The antidote to discouragement, remember, they turn to the Lord. And from a practical point of view, I wrote down those truths. And I've got them by the side of my bed. And sneakily look at them. Because I don't want people to know I'm being discouraged. <laughs> so sneakily have a look at those. Yes. That's what God thinks of me. Who cares what you think? God thinks that about me. The other thing was, it's a practical step. They reorganized and they prioritized their work. And Nehemiah said, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. Nehemiah made some strategic decisions. He prioritized those parts of the wall where they were most vulnerable, where the wall was lowest and the people were exposed. Nehemiah encouraged them to be strategic in allocating their resources. He worked out about when to have rest. He reassured them by having somebody with a spear behind them. He thought through, right, this is the situation I'm in. What have we got a choice of? We can carry on doing the same thing or we can be, have a new strategy on this. 
reorganize them. They reorganize, they prioritize their work. So remember, they turn to the Lord. They reorganize, they prioritize their work. And then last, but not least, resist. They defended their families. Said in the passage, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your people, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah encouraged them to help one another. He did so in several strategic ways. From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted them besides all people. They knew the people that if an attack came, that someone would sound a trumpet and everyone would rush to where that trumpet sound came and that they would be supported by others. And you know, something happened amazing during this passage. They completed the work in 52 days. And these are the same people who said, can't do it. Terrible. We're rubbish. We're going to get killed any month. Then they did it. They remembered the Lord. They prioritized their work. And because they defended their families. Sometimes in discouragement, when you're discouraged, sometimes you can't find the strength in yourself. So think of others. Get your courage from others. Maybe you've got direct family. If you haven't, you've got spiritual family. And as Solon said before, our mission statement about loving Anglesey. Love the community you're around. Sometimes you have to keep on going and be encouraged by that. So remember to turn to the Lord daily. Reorganize your life and prioritize your work. Resist the ones who are going to discourage you. Do you know what? Discouragement, and I don't like saying this because sometimes I like to wallow in discouragement a bit. Go, woe is me. Somebody feel sorry for me. Karen, I'm going to have a terrible day coming up. But it's a choice. Courageous people don't give up. Even in the face of fatigue, frustration, fear, or failure. Their strength is found in Christ alone. Their courage comes from serving with his people. Their fulfillment comes from doing God's will. And you can too if you put your hand to it. And if we can as a community. We've taken on a big thing. I go back to our mission statement again. Follow Jesus, build community, and love Anglesey. That's huge. You know, sometimes you're going to think, we're never going to ever do that. Yes, we are. We're going to do it. And when we start feeling that we're not, we need to get on the inside and say, come on, we can do this. Let's keep on going. It's one of the reasons why... Uh, we encourage each of us in church to join small groups. I know that's not possible for everybody in their circumstances. But even if you can't go, connect yourself up with it. Get on the WhatsApp group or whatever so that we can help each other. Kate talked about Fandona, getting involved in projects like that, supporting each other. Blow the trumpet. Let's run to that and help out with that one. Why not? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Can you imagine the encouragement that would give? to that community, it'd be great, wouldn't it? 
Claim back the truths God speaks over you. Remind yourself of them continually. Make sure you have positive truth sayers in your life and be a truth sayer to others. You are going to be a history maker. Whether you like it or not, you are making a history. Might not be written down. Probably won't be. Mine hasn't been so far. But you're going to make a history. And that history, do you know what? That's going to be generational. Three generations, four generations down the line, that's the history you're making. And what kind of history is it? Is it the one you were born to make? Or have you been infected by discouragement? Have you decided, I can't do it? Have you got battered and bruised? Have you been robbed of your dreams by discouragement? And here's another one as well. You are going to help make or break somebody else's history. Are you going to help make the history for somebody to be that history that is the one that they were meant to make? Or are you going to bring them down to maybe your level? Or are you going to encourage? I've got to ask us now. We're going to play a song because I like it. Delirious is history maker. Blast from the past. And I just want you to to listen to it. And look at the words are going to come up there as well. At least I hope they do in a minute. And just have a think about that. And just ask yourself, what history are you making And are you allowing your history to be robbed by discouragement? And then afterwards, well, now I'm going to hand it over to to Dolan and Rachel then, so they can bring you in then. But thanks for your patience, folks, anyway.
just want us to put our hands out while this plays in the background. And I'm just going to pray a prayer of repentance for each and every one of us to just pray in our own hearts where we have been a discouragement to others. Whether it's people in our family, our children, our partner, our friends, our work colleagues, people in our community, in our church. So Father God, we say sorry this morning for every word our tongue has spoken that has been a discouragement to others. That has had an impact on them being the history makers that you've created them to be. We're sorry for when our own insecurities, our own anger and frustration, our own needs have meant that we've put down others, intentionally or unintentionally. Father God, would you forgive us? Amen.